are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. So good morning, folks. <laughs> it's like, I look, like I'm right back up here or something. Man, it works. Sorry, I realized over the time that I am becoming more and more of a stool person. <laughs> So i got to make sure I have my handy stool with me. But how many of y'all are glad that we don't have to see any more of those, at least for another two years? <laughs> oh, man, it seemed like every single commercial break, it was about 60 to 70% of them were, were that. So, man, so uh, 2020 election season and commercials on commercials. And if you didn't notice, one of the common themes that's listed inside of these commercials is fear. <laughs> Let's see how much fear that we can stoke, because they realize that fear equals action. <laughs> fear equals uh, money. <laughs> People want to donate to prevent things from happening. So it tends, seems to be like oftentimes that uh, let's just try to stoke as much fear and sensationalism as we possibly can uh, in order to be able to uh, gain or sway whichever people that we need to be able to sway. Uh, but it's very interesting. Like, uh, as, as believers in 2020, it's a difficult time to, to be alive, I feel like. Uh, with with the, the present crisis with COVID-19, uh, with the present divisions that have taken place both, uh, both politically uh, and socially, uh, even economically as the, as the divide starts to spread further and further, uh, it oftentimes leaves the church uh, and can potentially place the church in a compromising position. Uh, it's, it's very easy to lean too heavy on one side or the other uh, in a kingdom of God that encompasses all things. Uh, so, man, so that's one of the things that I really want to spend some time to talk about today. Uh, as we've been talking about the, the all-in church, we've been talking about being able to see our political climate through the lens of the kingdom. Uh, I would like to be able to take some time just to kind of address that and hopefully give us some, some guidance and some tips on how we can best uh, navigate these times in the future. And honestly, even right now, as, it, as things are still dragging out and going on, uh, it, it's really easy to get caught up in conversations and in, in arguments and <laughs> debates that seem like they go nowhere uh, and oftentimes lose sight of the greater purpose that we have here as a church. Uh, so man... So yesterday, well, last week, as Greg was preaching, uh, one of the verses that he brought up here was Romans 8:28. Uh, it says, uh, "And we know that though, that for those who are who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purposes." Uh, and biggest thing is I, feel, I I see for that one is for those who love God, like for those who love God, uh, and. The qualifying statement for all the rest of that statement is for those who love God. Uh, one thing I did note, too, is if you go further here, if we go to John 14, 15. So I forgot to tell y'all. Y'all going to have to wear your, uh, I don't want to show you have to wear your biblical running shoes because we're, we're going for a tour again. So brace yourselves. All right. So, <laughs> so yeah. So here we go to John chapter 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And then further, it says in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40, where it says, uh, 
it was a point where uh, one of the uh, Pharisees came to ask Jesus uh, a kind of a trap question uh, in terms of what is the greatest commandment, uh, and Jesus answers it masterfully, masterfully. So he says, uh, "Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law?" Uh, and he said, "And he said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it: You shall love your neighbor as yourself." On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So uh, it's interesting how uh, it's such a simple phrasing. Uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess one of the things that's come up over years, love God, love people. Boom, period. Simple enough, love God, love people. Uh, but it's interesting how uh, given the current climate and the current times, we tend to add a bunch of different qualifiers on it. Uh, so uh, in order for us to be a, a good, strong believer, uh, we need to love God, love people, but also support agenda A, B, C, or D. And if you don't support agenda A, B, C, or D, how can you even consider yourself to be a Christian? How can, how can, that, how can you even consider yourself to know God? Uh, uh, but it's simple. It's simple. The command is simple. Love God, love people. Uh, even further, it goes to uh, John verse 13, 34 through 35. It says, uh, A new commandment I give you, that you will love one another just, I, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you, love one, if, if you have love for one another. Uh, so love God, love people. No other pre-qualifier. No other... No other uh, hoop you have to jump through, uh, no other thing that you have to be able to take care of. It's simply just that. Uh, but not only just that, it's through our ability to be able to love God and our ability to be able to love people. Uh, that is how the church shall be known, and that is how the church shall be marked moving forward. So uh, if we go forward here to John chapter 17, verse 22 to 23. He says, the glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they, may perf- they be perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them as you have loved me. The church is in dire need of unity. <laughs> uh, this says that the, the world will know us by the way that we love one another. Uh, that that is how we'll be marked and that's how we'll be set apart. Uh, it seems like right now there's just fire and brimstone coming from each and every angle and each and every side. Uh, here, as we, go, as we go even further here, uh, we can go back through, we can continue through John chapter 17, and we'll, we'll, see, we'll see the continued uh, last prayer of Jesus here in John 17, which is the last things that he was, he was stating and praying over the church and the body. Uh, on 17 verse 11, it says that, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. So Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Uh, it continues in verse 20 through 21. It says, I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the world doesn't necessarily need somebody who's going to solve this social justice issue. Like, 
the church stepping in to be able to do that, yes, that falls under the mandate of love God, love people. Uh, but it's not by that that people will define us as being the church. It's not by that that they will recognize that we, that we, are, uh, that we are people of God. Uh, there are plenty of people who do that same calling outside of the kingdom. <laughs> there are plenty of people that have the same passion, maybe even more of a passion than some of us do outside of the kingdom of God. Uh, it may not even have to deal with specifically having to deal with uh, the abortion issue. Uh, like uh, the loss of life. I mean, it's, it is a critical issue, and don't get me wrong. Uh, as believers, it falls underneath the category of loving God and loving people. But at the same time, that is not the core critical thing that will define the church. That's not the main item that will define the church. Uh, it doesn't have to do with the, the falling down of the moral compass of, the, of, the, of, the, of society as a whole in the U.S. and us needing to be the ones who be able to keep it grounded. Uh, don't get me wrong, as we love God and love people, those things trickle into all of that. Uh, but at the same time, that is not the end-all be-all of the church. The thing that will mark us and the thing that will define us is the love and care and compassion that we have for those who are around us and the love and care and compassion that we have for God. Uh, those are the two things that will be able to mark us as a church. They will know us by the way that we love one another. So, uh, so one thing that I think is, uh, is given during this time, and one opportunity that I think is presented during, in front of the church, uh, and definitely has been over the last few weeks and last few months, uh, is that we've been given an opportunity to be able to, to disagree with people politically and still continue to love unconditionally. Uh, and I feel like within our church, I feel like that's something that we actually do a pretty, pretty good job of. Uh, we have a widespread and variety of people here that are part of our community. Uh, we have people that have uh, like PhDs. Uh, we have people that, that, have, that don't. We have people that are, that are, uh, that are, that are pretty well-to-do financially. We have people that aren't. Uh, we, have, we have people that, uh, that have passions in numerous areas and facets and spectrums. Uh, and it's interesting just to see all the different spread of people that we have within our church, uh, all the different things that they put forth and all the different things that they bring to the table. Uh, I, it's, I, think I, I think I may have said this before. Uh, one of my dreams when I was thinking about like being a part of a church, which I, I say this like I've been pondering this for the last 50 years. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, like one of the things that I always, I always valued and I always felt like uh, I wanted to see within, within church uh, was to see a group of people that would not gather for any other reason than for Jesus. Like a group of people that would not relate, a group of people whose paths would not cross except for like our, our risen savior. If it wasn't for Jesus, uh, like they're, they're, this group would not get along, would not meet, probably wouldn't wave at each other when they were going through Dylan's, may not even talk to each other when they're walking through the aisles. <laughs> like, uh, man, but it's, it's clearly like when people can walk in here, like my prayer is that they can see that there is all this diversity of thoughts, opinions, uh, backgrounds, upbringings, uh, but at the same time, they see that there is a common union amongst all of us. And it is all wrapped and found in Jesus Christ. Uh, so man, so, so even with that, we have an opportunity within our church and within our community as a whole to be able to disagree with somebody politically and love unconditionally. But the question is, uh, like, do you think that you can do this? Because honestly, in myself, I don't think I can. Like, 
I, I do not. Uh, as much grace as I think I have inside of my heart, like I don't think it's enough to be able to survive having to deal with arguments with my patients at my job sometimes where they, they decide to start diving into topics that don't, I, I don't get paid to talk about those on the clock. <laughs> Man, but yeah, but it's, it can be difficult. It can be extremely difficult to be able to love people of differing opinions and thoughts. Uh, and man, uh, but at the same time, the other question is too, is do you want to do this? Because I feel like oftentimes in the church, it's the, it's the dividing line of politics. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's numerous churches that, I, that I've been to, that I have friends that I've been to and been a part of where their whole premise was, you can only fit in this church ultimately if you believe this, this, and this. Yeah, love God, love people. Yeah, that's good, that's good. But this party line. <laughs> uh, and man, I believe that a church that, that limits itself to that degree is a church that is, that is, that is self-defeating and lacking a well-rounded perspective and lacking the full power and authority that's been given through Christ, which covers all things. So man, so... Uh, so my big question I have for you guys today, too, uh, as, we, as we sit back and we kind of ponder our perceptions and perspective on politics is that are we willing to evaluate, the, the, evaluate our politics through the filter of our faith rather than create a version of our faith that supports our politics? Uh, so then at least other questions, like can you, can you follow Jesus when it creates a division between you and your political ideals or your political party or the candidate that you support. Uh, if those things don't align, will you still choose to follow Jesus? Uh, will you still choose to, to separate yourself if need be? I know that uh, as a church, we must not let anything or anyone be able to divide us as a body. Uh, and even with the, the, numerous, the numerous values that are put forth, understanding that all those fall under, under the umbrella of our faith too. So one thing I wanted to be able to talk about with you guys too how should we be able to allow this greatest and first commandment to be able to 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 inform our decisions, Flat tried to get me. To be able to inform our, inform our decisions and inform our ideals, uh, I feel like there's so many layers to this, uh, and it's interesting. Uh, even just in seeing the little candidate video that we watched earlier, uh, it's probably pretty easy to be able to kind of figure out who they're trying to aim for you to vote at. <laughs> it's our guy, not their guy. Uh, uh, and I brought up an interesting theory. Uh, I heard about this. It's called, it's called a fundamental attribution error. So fundamental attribution error. So, uh, so it means that ultimately, uh, as we view a political ad like that, uh, that we attribute a person's like, uh, behavior or actions that they portray, like in the video, to their character. Therefore, that if they were a uh, so dark guy who can't swing a golf club, <laughs> therefore, because he can't swing a golf club, uh, because he can't golf, therefore we feel like he can't, be, he can't golf, you can't run a country. <laughs> you could probably barely even run his household. Uh, it's, uh, it's basically a, a jumping to conclusions based off of knowing a small snippet of a person's standard, a, a small person's, uh, a person's character or idea. Uh, seeing one little glimpse and making blanket statements over it too. 
uh, cement. So, so one other, one other, one other idea of that too would be like a, uh, one person comes up to you after having a bad day, and you automatically assume that that is their demeanor from that point forward. I see this happen all the time at my job. Uh, usually when folks are coming to see me at my job, it's usually because they had a terrible day. They may have spent the last six hours in the ER uh, getting run around, getting poked about 15 times by needles, and then they pop up at my pharmacy. Uh, and they, they are not the most pleasant person to be around and not the most pleasant person to experience. And it could be really easy for me to be able to believe that ultimately this person is a terrible person because I'm, I said two things to them talking about how their insurance was not working right now and they blew up at me. <laughs> uh, I feel like that is a good example of what a fundamental attribution error would be. Uh, us, us portraying our thoughts uh, and ideas based off of one small snippet of a person's entire life and wrapping their entire life in that small snippet. Uh, man, so man, so, uh, so even as we sit back and we view uh, political sides and political ideas, uh, we're oftentimes just seeing snippets. We don't know, we don't know the person, we don't know the ideal. Uh, and it's interesting because ultimately on both sides of the aisle, people can pour scripture into supporting every single aspect of what they believe. <laughs> uh, it's extremely easy to to pour scripture into every single aspect of what they believe. And oftentimes it can be similar or the same scriptures that they're pouring into every aspect of what they believe too. Uh, but it all depends on perspective and view. Uh, so man, uh, but even outside of that, like one of the things that, that we as a church need to, be, need to, need to follow uh, is similar to the principles that were formed by the early church. Uh, in the early church, uh, there, was a, there was a unity that was... Uh, completely abnormal to the culture of the time. Similar to what I see in our own church here today, uh, where I see people of different backgrounds, uh, the rich, the poor, uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the sick and the healthy, uh, whether it be male or female, female uh, everything, uh, all of the above uh, were, were related uh, underneath the 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 values of the early church, and every single person and every single one had its place and had its value within it too. Uh, so here, uh, a few things that really define the early church. Uh, as, we, as we seek to be able to establish unity here in our body, uh, I feel like it's, we can look back and see exactly what they were able to do uh, during that time. Because even during those times, there was division that was taking place. So if you think back to Jesus and the 12 disciples, uh, you can look and you can see that even within his 12 disciples, there was political divisions. Uh, so, you had, uh, so you had Simon, Simon Peter, who was a zealot. Uh, who was a, a zealot essentially meant that he was somebody who was trying to overthrow the governments that were, that were over, overseeing all of, of, uh, of Israel. Uh, so in that case, it was the Romans. Uh, his whole goal was to tear down the Roman government uh, to be able to install and put in place uh, the government of Israel. Uh, but in that same group, there were tax collectors who were part of their group. There were tax collectors who were their disciples, uh, people that were literally making their living off of the Roman government, all placed in the same group forced to work together and walk side by side for three years and learn from one another and learn how to love one another. Uh, and I feel like if the early church can do that, if the disciples are able to do that, then we definitely can too. So uh, 
so even in the early church, there was a huge mixture and melting pot. It started off with just the, just the Israelites, just the Jewish folks. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit decided to, I don't know, basically blow things up and bring all of the Gentiles in on this whole thing as well. And they had to learn how to navigate those waters. They had to learn how to navigate the waters of not even just having uh, their own Jewish group, which were the homegrown Jews living in Israel, uh, also with the Hasidic Jews that were in Greece, uh, the Jews that were spread all over, the, all over the world, and then also the Gentile populations that were within there, and to be able to understand, and they came to the realization that God has value for all of them, therefore I feel like we should too. Uh, so a few of the defining principles that you found here in the early church. Uh, one of the first ones that you find was that they cared for the vulnerable, uh, and it's, it's really interesting, too. Uh, if, you, if you think back uh, upon culture, the vulnerable would include uh, both like uh, infant, widows, uh, but even those who might even be considered like, uh, like uh, who would have had to be cast aside. So those who were born with, with birth defects or had illnesses. Uh, it's, there's, there's cultural... Uh, cultural ideals and norms that were placed over the society uh, that would automatically cast people into certain places. So, so if you were born blind, uh, automatically their thought process wouldn't be, oh man, poor you, sorry you had to go through that. That, that wouldn't be it. Uh, and their perception, based off of what they read back in the Torah and Deuteronomy, uh, it stated that there were blessings and curses. It said there's blessings that will come to you uh, if you follow the Lord. Uh, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the fields, blessed as you come and you go, all that stuff. Uh, but then also, it talks about the curses that are there. One of the curses that they said that if you don't obey the Lord, blindness will come upon you. So you even see about it in, like, uh, in John chapter 9, uh, verse 1 through 2, uh, where, where Jesus is walking through the city and he says he passed by and he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciple asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Uh, automatically there was no, there's no mercy or sympathy for the man for being blind. It's because somebody had to sin. Somebody messed up way back down in his line or something like that that may have caused this to be able to occur. Uh, and man, so, uh, so the view that even the Jewish population had was that if somebody had some, had some issue or some defect, that ultimately it was brought on by, it was, it was their own fault. If, if they wouldn't have done this, or if, if their parents wouldn't have done something X, Y, and Z thing, therefore this, this issue wouldn't have been a problem for them. Uh, or even going into Roman society, where they, they would allow and they would promote uh, for infanticide. Basically, it's the killing of babies. Uh, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't just outright just, like, uh, just kill the child. What they would do is they would just take it out to the, to the edge of the city, uh, and they would just set it out there and just say they'd leave it to the fates, or leave it to the gods to see what what becomes of this child. So, uh, so whether that be a child who was born with a birth defect, as you mentioned before, or whether that be just an unwanted child. So if, you, if, you have, if you're wanting a son, you got a daughter. You just take him off to the side of the city and just, just see what the gods have to say about that one. Uh, amen. But, uh, but one of the things that the early church was marked for was that they cared for the vulnerable. So they were the ones who were going forth to the sick, uh, whether it be somebody who was suffering from, from leprosy or even... Uh, any, any sort of illness. They were the ones who were going to the sick to minister to them, not casting them aside. Uh, when it came to those infants that were left out on the sides of the city, they were the ones who were going and picking up the infants and adopting them and bringing them into their own families and raising them as their own. Uh, they, were, they were going outside of the typical parameters of the culture of that day. Uh, one other thing that they also did too. So uh, the early church was inclusive in terms of race, gender, and socioeconomic background. Uh, as we see in Galatians 3.28, it says, uh, 
There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, rich nor poor, no longer slave nor free, male nor female, or you can throw this in, there's no longer Democrat nor Republican. Uh, you are all one within the church, all one under Christ. Uh, and one other thought that came about too, uh, there's a philosopher named Jordan Peterson, which I think, yeah. <laughs> A philosopher named Jordan Peterson. So, uh, so he, uh, he mentions this in, the, in, his, uh, in his readings of the 12 Rules of Life. Uh, it says that Christianity achieved the well-nigh impossible. The Christian doctrine elevated the individual's soul, placing slave and master and commoner and nobleman alike on the same metaphysical footing, rendering them equal before God and the law. The implicit transcendent worth of each and every soul established itself against impossible odds. So the viewpoint that we have over life itself is that life is valuable, is that life carries worth, is that each and every person that was made is made in the image of God, therefore we should care for them. Uh, they are God's greatest creation. They are endowed by their creator with purpose. Uh, man, and that's, that's, that, was the, that was the thought process of the early church. Uh, even another point here, too, is that the early church, they were known for loving their enemies. Uh, and this is going off of, uh, back to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus said here, Matthew 5, 43 through 44, I said, you've heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'll say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh, even again here, uh, another one is that they suffered without retaliation. Uh, so you say, uh, in Matthew 5, 39 through 41, it mentions, uh, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you, take your tunic and let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go to mile with him, go with him two miles. <laughs> so just radical ideals and thoughts. Uh, and one other thing, too, that they even mentioned, too, just had to do along the lines of having a, the sexual integrity as a whole. Uh, back, in, back in ancient times, particularly in Roman culture, it was lacking. Uh, it was, it was kind of just, kind of just a, lot of, a large sense, it was kind of just do as you please. Uh, get gratification as you please. Uh, but man, but he said, uh, and, but even Jesus said in Matthew 27, verse 28, in the Sermon on the Mount, too, he said that, uh, you have heard that it was said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it's interesting, like, as you, as you read through these portions, so we talked about, uh, we talked about the caring for the vulnerable. Uh, we talked about inclusiveness and race, gender, and socioeconomic background. We talked about loving your enemies and suffering without retaliation. We talked about having sexual integrity. Uh, if you notice that all of these ideas fit under both sides of political parties. Uh, all of these ideas can fit under, uh, under, a, under a liberal or conservative umbrella, ultimately. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, uh, the strength of the church lies in the combination of these things, uh, in each of these components, and that when any of them are lacking, that the church is losing its power, it's losing its actual authority to be able to speak, uh, speak out under these issues and to be able to speak life into this world. So, man, so... Uh, uh, even one other thing, too, within the church, is they actually even established their own individual welfare system with, with, amongst themselves. Uh, it says here in Acts 2, 42 through 45, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
Uh, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had any need. Uh, and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. Uh, folks were selling their stuff to be able to help provide for another person. Uh, they, were, they were selling their properties that they had. Uh, they, were, they were selling their goods, their jewelries, whatever it took to be able to help to, 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 uh, to, to build up their brother and sister, laying down literally their lives and their livelihoods and their belongings for the sake, for the sake of those who are around them. Uh, a radical and culturally disruptive uh, unity and love and care and compassion that took place. So man, so... Uh, it's just, uh, it's interesting. Here, as we go to a quote that's by, uh, by Jonathan Dodson. One of the things that I notice is that uh, here it says that we, we can't pick and choose the teachings of Christ that we want to keep. Uh, nor can we reduce Jesus to being the poster child of our pet moralities or our political persuasions. Uh, rather, the collective weight of all of Jesus' teachings should drive us to Christ, to find forgiveness and power, and to live moral lives that please God regardless of how unpopular it may be. That we cannot do this alone. Hmm. So as a church, uh, as a body, uh, as, 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 as a church globally, uh, it's been it's been extremely disheartening to be able to see how, how intertwined the church has become with a political system and a political ideology which is temporary, ultimately. Uh, the church has existed for 2,000 years. Uh, even, even our political ideals and thoughts uh, are, are relatively fresh and relatively new in the grand scheme of the global culture. Uh, and as we've come along, don't get me wrong, we've, we've taken bits and pieces and formulated to the best of our abilities a system in which, in which uh, society is able to thrive and prosper. And um, we've seen it thrive and prosper over the years too. Uh, but the ideals that get placed by and presented uh, by individual political parties, uh, we as a church, uh, we as a, as a body, uh, we as believers are called to levels beyond even just that. Uh, we are ultimately called to be able to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're ultimately called to be able to submit to the authority of his word that was spoken uh, before any other thing. Uh, and I feel like as a church, as we start to flip that around, oftentimes that can be the place where we have a terrible witness in society a terrible witness in society that people feel like they're marginalized, undermined. Uh, people feel like they would be able to, to do better without the church than with it. Uh, and I feel like as we as a church start to walk in understanding our identity and start to walk in understanding these early defining principles that were followed by the early church, uh, I feel like that is a point when we become an indispensable entity to society, uh, an indispensable uh, a force to society uh, here within our culture too. So man, I just want to run through those points one more time. So the finding principles of the early church. So cared for the vulnerable, uh, inclusive in terms of race, gender, and socioeconomic background, uh, loved their enemies, and suffered without retaliation, and, and had sexual integrity. Uh, I find it 
I find it hard to believe that, that we, uh, as followers of an eternal king, would allow ourselves to be divided by, by temporary political systems. Uh, that we serve a God who sits and reigns and rules above all of it. Uh, and our place, in our, our place in society, our place as believers, uh, we are called to love. <laughs> to love God and to love people. To love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Uh, regardless of pre-qualifying ideas, regardless of uh, pre-qualifying uh, uh, um, political, political thoughts or processes, regardless of, uh, of uh, any sort of preconditions, uh, we're called to love. So man, so uh, in terms of ways for us as a church to be able to, to gain a clear perspective and vision, uh, I have a few, few little suggestions here. Uh, first and foremost, which I feel like, I guess it's a, it should be a no-brainer, uh, getting in the Word of God. <laughs> uh, oftentimes, I feel like we can, we can allow uh, what we see uh, in, in media, uh, in culture, what we hear from other folks, uh, we, can, we can allow that to form our framework. Uh, and we can allow, even, 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 as, even if it's not even from, from a CNN or a Fox News or an OWN network or whatever it could be, even if it's none of the above, uh, even if it's just simply from us just uh, not even digging into the word from ourselves but constantly getting it being distilled by another person, uh, oftentimes that uh, can, can lead us to, to lack. Uh, and, and the thing is, even as somebody's preaching, like even as I'm coming up with my own sermon here, I, uh, I'm... Digging through the word, and the Lord, is, the Lord is revealing stuff to me as I go. And I'm just giving you what he's revealed to me. But the Lord oftentimes is thinking, he, he does. He has things he wants to show you, and he has things he wants to reveal to you. He has, he has new ideas, new ways for you to be able to think and ponder things. Uh, and as much as I might be able to sow in new ideas for you, I promise you, if you get inside of the word of God, that's what's really going to be able to shape and form your perspective and perceptions. Uh, but the biggest thing I recommend for you, too, is being able to make sure that you're taking off any sort of filter that you have through your own political lens or ideals. Uh, a second thing that I would, I would recommend, too, is being able to engage in discussions, uh, read books, uh, listen to talks uh, of differing views and perspectives, uh, but also, while keeping the first, uh, still being rooted within the Word of God. Uh, oftentimes, it's easy to get in, entrenched into our own, our own uh, I, say, I used to call it echo chambers, uh, if you notice this, like, if you notice on your Facebook feed, uh, as soon as you start to like, like, four or five different things, that thing just pops up constantly. <laughs> so, like, you like, you, say you listen to four comedy videos or something like that, and you throw a like on each of those, then suddenly, like, your feed is inundated with different stand-up comedy things, or whether it's sports, or whatever it could be. Uh, but those are, those are examples of echo chambers. You start to, you start to to build around you uh, things that, that fit inside your spectrum and scope, never skipping outside of your bounds of, of, uh, of your, own, your own knowledge base or your own beliefs. Uh, and man, uh, but at least being able to engage in discussions and readings and listening to folks of other ideas and other perspectives uh, while being rooted in the foundation of Scripture. Uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ who may have different ideas from you, uh, oftentimes those ideas just become, they just come because they came from different backgrounds, environments. Uh, they've seen different things than you have. Like I, I tried to have a discussion with one of my friends and he, he, grew up in, he grew up in inner city Miami. His ideas and his perspectives are far different from what I have. 
because I didn't grow up like that. I grew up in good old Hillsboro, Kansas, town of 3,000, Mennonite Brethren hub. Uh, that's, that's where I grew at. I felt like I basically grew up inside of a, a Christian bubble, which was honestly, it was great. I loved it. But man, but his, the way that he views a political system and the way that he views an approach to be able to find healing and reconciliation, the way that he views it is totally different than me. Uh, and it's not that his way is wrong and my way is right, or it's not that my way is wrong and his way is right. Uh, but ultimately, is that he has a different, he, he just, he's, he's come up differently. Uh, and the thing is, the Lord can utilize each of those different facets. And the moment that I try to tell him that his ideas that he has because of where he's come from are no longer valid or don't fit into the spectrum, I leave our, I leave our society lacking. Because uh, there are many others that are just like him that are suffering through the same things. He sees needs that I don't see. So man, so, uh, so being able to have those conversations with people who just have totally different ideas and perspectives, you don't have to agree with everything they say. Uh, as my dad told me when I was growing up, you eat the meat and spit out the bones. That's what you do. So, <laughs> so yeah, so man, so, uh, so find, find, some, find something that you can at least be able to learn from outside of your own realm. Uh, but man, one other thing that I, I'm going to do is, uh, as well as uh, unplugging from your regular streams of media and information. Uh, so man, so like uh, essentially, I guess it'd be kind of like a media fast or a media cleanse. Uh, I feel like now that the political season's ended, like I know that I need it. Uh, I know that it's really easy for me to become uh, I, like jaded or entrenched in certain areas too. Uh, man, like I, I feel like I just need a cleanse. I need to be able to to silence the other voices that have been speaking to me and truly just be able to listen in to what the Lord has to say. Uh, and I feel like right now is a great opportunity to do that. As we're stepping into the season that's called Advent, which is the weeks leading up to Christmas Day, uh, there's already a lot of different, uh, different readings you can follow. There's a lot of different books you can get. There's a lot of different things you can, things you can do uh, if you're looking for something to be able to substitute the, 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 the media binge that many of us have been involved in over the last few weeks. Uh, so man, so yeah, being able to unplug from your regular streams of media uh, and info, uh, just to be able to gain a, a fresh perspective, to be able to gain a fresh word from what the Lord has in store. Oh man, so, uh, so I'm hoping that us as a church, uh, that we can learn and that we can grow in this. Uh, that, we can, that we can learn and we can grow in an understanding of, of the kingdom of God that supersedes all other earthly kings, kingdoms, governments, uh, societies, over, overarching, overarching all of that. Uh, we serve the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is who we serve. Uh, so man, so I pray that we as a church can be a church that keeps it at the forefront. So here, uh, I guess I'm ending a little bit early today. I don't know if y'all are trying to catch the 12 o'clock kickoff. You can, you can thank me later. <laughs> but man, here, I'll, I'll go ahead and pray real quick, and I'll have, I'll have Daniel come back up here too, uh, and we'll go ahead and worship a bit more. And if my dad has something else to add, or if you guys have something else that you want to add as well, you're welcome to. Uh, but here, let's go ahead and pray. Um, dear Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you are God above all, in all, and through all, that, Lord, all things yield to you, that all things start with you and end with you. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, as, as, we, as we go forward, uh, as, as, we, as, as we have uh, survived this election season, and, Lord, we move forward uh, uh, in, in our society here, as we move forward as a church here, Lord, I pray that, uh, that, 
we would not allow anything to be able to, to separate us as a church. Uh, that we would not allow any sort of uh, disagreements or arguments uh, to separate us as a church. That we wouldn't have the, the stage carpet, carpet debate that would cause a schism or a split. That, Lord, that our church would be marked by unity. Our church would be marked by, by love for one another. That people could enter this building and they would sense it and they would see it. Uh, that there is something that's different that marks this community. Uh, that they would see a community that sacrifices for one another, that they would see a community uh, which engages in difficult topics and conversations, uh, that they would see a community that approaches those conversations with grace uh, and with love, ultimately. Uh, that, Lord, that they would see a church that is salt and that is light uh, in this society. Uh, so, Lord, I just pray that, uh, that Lord, you would just, you would just uh, allow us to, to grow in that, that you would allow our church to flourish in that. So, Lord, I just, I just bless Anovo Vineyard Church. Father, I bless our, I bless our, our city. Uh, Lord, and I bless the churches in the neighborhood, Father, that you would allow us to even be able to come into that same understanding and conclusion here. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.